Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. <laughs> so this week on Spectology, we're doing a little bit of a new type of bonus episode for us. Uh, I think we're calling them Critical Conversations. Yeah, so we're, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take a critical essay and talk about it a little bit. We haven't talked about it beforehand, so we're just going to have a little bit of a conversation um, about criticism. Because in a lot of ways, like cultural, liter- literary criticism is essentially like what we do on this podcast. And so we wanted to, you know, we also, we love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, I was a little bit worried that like, I was just like incredibly self-indulgent, but I like posted a question on Twitter asking if people would want to listen to it. And folks said they would surprisingly overwhelmingly. So, you know, uh, this is new for us. It's a new format. I hope folks enjoy it. Uh, please let us know if you like it or don't like it as you listen to it, like what you like and don't like. Uh, we're kind of playing around with this like new type of format of bonus episode because I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's going to be fun. Please interact and engage. <laughs> right. But also like I'm legitimately curious what people think. <laughs> this is not just like call to action. <laughs> um nothing so is on only that, one thing right like Everything criticism is all nothing things. is only one thing <laughs> um so for our first uh critical essay that we're gonna read is actually the the essay from that tweet um because i've been thinking about it a lot it's called critics Endgame. um it's in long reads the the longreads.com the publication that like publishes like yep. critical essays and journalism in various long form um the author is soraya roberts i don't know if i'm pronouncing her first name right i hope i am uh we will link to the essay and her twitter and everything um in the show notes so that'll be like front and center so i would also recommend uh if you're listening to read the article it's like uh you know they have it here it's like a nine minute long read according to them and it's it's cool it's interesting it's sort of about like what is the place of cultural criticism when the world is on fire uh which i think is a relevant question for us to ask ourselves as well as like talk about kind of some of her answers so yeah matt what did what did you think of the essay it's a classic uh <laughs> A three-month-old classic. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a classic. It's it's really... I mean, I think... Oh, boy. I have many thoughts about this. And the topic is classic. And this is a mm-hmm. good version of of this of this essay. You know, uh, versions of which, you know, I've, I've read from, like, every historical era. I think this type of thinking has gone on every for, for as long as there have been critics. I mean, like, in some sense, when... Um, when Plato says like artists shouldn't live in the Republic, he's saying that like criticism is bullshit. Um, I, I do think that, I mean, like it's a little right, bit of right, a snarky no, thing to say, but I, I think it's also <laughs> th- really what he, part of what he means. Um, I, I think you're right. I also, I love how abstract you go immediately. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just how I am. It's like immediately to Plato. But, but, but not, I mean, not just that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I think the reason, one thing that, one reason why I go abstract with this is because that's, how I deal with things that are difficult. Um, yeah. I think it's a very difficult topic. You know, what the, you know, if, if you go and read the article, which obviously we encourage you to do, um, you'll see a lot of it has to do specifically with climate change. Although, you know, there are many, there are many terrible things happening in the world. 
And the basic, mm-hmm. the basic question kind of at the heart of the article, at least from my point of view, is, you know, what is the responsibility of a critic? What is the role of a critic in a world that's on fire? You know, right. And kind of what is the value of criticism? Yeah. Like, is it Does actually it valuable any? and worth doing? Yeah. Um, which is a, you know, I feel like both a good and like hard question for critics to ask of themselves. Yeah. It's super important. Um, I do. I'm realizing right now, like the first article we chose for the series is like an article of cultural criticism of cultural criticism. <laughs> yeah. It's like go straight to the meta. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense in a way though. I mean, for right. one thing, it's obviously important. What did you think? What's your top level? Yeah. I mean, my top level takeaway was I like that she's asking these questions. I think they're kind of worthwhile questions for us to ask ourselves. Kind of the way I think about it is, um, you know, like a lot of what we do on this podcast is obviously like for fun. Like we like reading science fiction books and talking about them. So Wait a like, second. Let's... Really? <laughs> <laughs> like we would be doing this with or without the podcast. And so the podcast, like, honestly, it's fun because it means yeah. that like we get to do it more than we otherwise would. Like I read more <laughs> and I talk to you more because of it. And that's a big chunk of why we do it. I also, it you know, there is an element of like, I hope that we are you know, interesting enough and smart enough and like good enough at what we do to make people think thoughts they otherwise wouldn't. And, you know, early on in the, in the essay, she has this kind of piece of like, you know, I hope that someone reads something I write and like metaphorically like puts their child on a rich person's boat and like saves someone who wouldn't otherwise be able to be saved. And I feel like there's an element of that. Like, I do hope that we, change minds for the better like encourage people to be like kinder and better through i mean it sounds ridiculous like through talking about like escapist sci-fi novels but like honestly like that's part of my goal with this is like you know i think there is some uh responsibility when doing a podcast in particular where you're literally like whispering in someone's ear you're like as close to being inside of their mind as you can get essentially um to you know like both having fun and also like being responsible with 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 that yeah i i guess you know it's funny there's i think there's two ways to think about it. you can think about like the work of criticism as a as a sort of craft or a task and then you can think about like just being a person and like going through life. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how I want to think about it as as both of those things. And then those are the two perspectives I'll sort of jump between when I think about this kind of thing. And like, cool. you know, sometimes, you know, when I when I'm not when I'm feeling overwhelmed with the questions of like the craft, like, you know, like, oh, how do you even get better at this? Like, how do you even like develop this further? Like, how do you even, you know, what do you even aim at? You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Then, then I'll switch to thinking in, in, from the perspective of the individual who's trying to be the best person possible. It's like, you know, on some level, I'm just having a conversation with my friend and like, how do I do that? How do I like, maybe I should just like, you know, fall back a sec and, and just think like, okay, well, how can I be a good friend here? How can I like listen better? How can I like, Totally. Uh, try to engage with this in a in a in a better and better way, like just on the level of that, um, and that's that's something that's not really in this essay, but that's something I think about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. This is more about the craft part, which is also super important, obviously. Um, but it's it's really you know one of the things I I come back to this conversation I had with another friend uh, a while ago who is very depressed about the state of the world, uh, as you know I feel also sometimes, and and. Uh, and this person's attitude is basically like, well, you know, 
I think that everything is terrible and only going to get worse. And so uh, a lot of things I just like don't want to bother to do. You know, there are certain things I won't bother yeah. to engage in because I don't think it's worth engaging in them in those things. I mean, I feel that every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's super tough and debilitating and and you know grim to just engage with a lot of things in the world all the mm -hmm. time. And uh, you know, there, to some extent, like it, it makes total sense to me when somebody says I can't engage with that. That's not, I can't have that on the table as a thing that I do because I just can't, like, I don't have the yeah. bandwidth. I don't have the, the mm -hmm. energy. I don't have the, the moral strength, whatever. That makes total sense. Like I feel that about some things. Why is it that I don't feel that about this kind of criticism, like critical engagement with stuff? What do you think? <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this is something I struggle with a lot. Also, I mean, in work, like in, in working in politics, but in being very like small fry, there's sort of this question of like, I know at times I feel like I, it's great that I like have this small, but like I, I, but I really do personally believe important project that I get to work on that I am, you know, like privileged and lucky enough to work on. Um, and one of the things that it lets me do is in some ways, like stay in my lane and not feel bad about it. Like I don't have to engage with everything cause I have the thing that I am engaged with. Oh, I yeah. think that that, you know, that's often an answer I come to is like, I can't engage with everything. So let me do one thing that is actually something and feel good with having done something right. Like I feel that way about this podcast too. Like I can't, you know, I can't do everything. I can't, you know, be a cultural critic that gets paid for like my thoughts or whatever. But like, I, I can do this and I can feel good and I can have fun. I mean, like, again, you and I can like yeah. have fun and become better friends through this. And then also I can feel good about putting something out in the world. And like, sometimes that's just enough, like feeling like yeah. I have done the work myself and so I don't have to do all the work is definitely yeah, yeah kind of personally I think where, where I fall on that question in a lot of realms in my life yeah there's a I mean I think the stay in your lane thing is super super valuable as a as a way to think about your your work in life right um, there's another that's actually something yeah. I want to I just want to yeah. you know that's something I took from um uh, I, for, I forget her real name. She goes by prison culture on Twitter and she does a lot of like activism work, particularly in like the abolition of prisons. And I do just want to like call out that like, you know, that is a specific phrase and idea mm -hmm. that I have like taken from mm -hmm. her and I don't, you know, I want, I, I want to like cite <laughs> that, but she's great. Mm -hmm. And I think like the way she talks and writes about this kind of stuff in the activist world has been like really, really helpful for me. Yeah, that'll, that'll be cool. Definitely. We'll, we'll link her. Yeah. I'll link, I'll link her. Yeah. Marianne something, I, I believe. Another, um, so the stain your lane thing is awesome. Another, another idea that I've heard that I want to get your, your thoughts on that relates to this is, um, the sort of the candide idea or the, or the like tend your own garden idea. So in other words, one response we could have to the world being destroyed and us not being able to feel like we can do anything about it, um, instead of like focusing on one thing, it's I, or I guess it, it you know as part of focusing on one thing, we could instead of focusing on something outside of us, we could fo focus on ourselves. So mm -hmm. you know the the mm -hmm. kind of conclusion of the novel Candide is that 
uh, the main character uh, facing all the terrible things that happen in the world. Spoiler alert, dude. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> it's hundreds Sorry. of years old. Uh, <laughs> I'm so kidding. I'm so you know my feelings. On that. I'm so kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, he ends up, um, you know, after dealing with all these terrible things and struggling with, you know, what is my moral responsibility in the face of the world being terrible? He ends up with the idea that he's going to make his own little garden and focus on tending it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's two ways to look at this. I've certainly heard people argue back and forth about it. Um, one way to look at it, and I want to hear what you think after I, like, I'll put these out yeah, there. Totally, totally. Um, maybe you think a third thing, whatever. Like one way to look at it is, um, well, you're just abdicating your responsibility. If you focus on tending your, your own garden, that's like the same as saying, I'm not going to bother to try to help change the world for the better. Another way to look at right. it is to say that, well, like by making the best garden, you are improving the world. Like, even if mm-hmm. all you're doing is perfecting your own soul, like that's one mm. more perfect soul in the world. And it's worth doing it for that reason. What do you think? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I take a little bit of a like of a third way, maybe like synthesis or like almost like middle path, um, because I think some of the way I think about this is actually like comes directly from the like Buddhist studies that I've done. Like that, like one of the things I, I liked and have liked about you know, being a Buddhist and getting more involved in the dogma of it is this, there's this idea of like the, the, the Bodhisattva, right? Like someone who can attain enlightenment, but instead of like, you know, going off in their own personal nirvana, like stays engaged with the earth in order to like help all sentient beings, like, you know, break from the karmic wheel, attain enlightenment, like whatever you want to call it. Um, the liberation of all sentient beings is kind of this phrase you hear over and over again. It's also funny enough, a phrase that comes up frequently in Max Gladstone's writing and in the like book that we're reading this month. But, um, (laughs) you know, I, I think there's something to it of, Like as you like tending your own garden for merely your own pleasure doesn't seem to me quite the right way to to like like you're not just yourself. You are also your connections to other human beings, to the natural world, to the to the civilization, to society, to, to all of these things. And so the way I tend to think about tending my own garden is not just like I'm not just doing it for myself. I am doing it for other people. And part of my own garden is like helping other people like other people are part of my own garden in the same way as like I am part of their garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've talked before about how I think about the nature of the self, you know, a person is not, mm-hmm. you know, an atomic unit just by, by mm-hmm. nature. I mean, it's sort of, it's like a useful abstraction sometimes to think that way, but it's not actually literally true. Um, and, and, and so I, I guess I, I pretty much agree. I, I, I think, you know, to truly tend one's garden in the way that the proponents of that would, would say, would, would, I think necessarily mean working on your connections with other people too, and working on like mm-hmm. helping those people. And so mm-hmm. you end up with something that isn't actually totally self-centered or, or it's self-centered, but like in a way that the phrase self-centered has to mean something else. Right. You know, no single person can attain instrumentality. It has to be <laughs> the whole of humanity together. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, sorry, like I know what you're watching. Get um, I know, I know, I know. We're gonna wait for the next bonus episode for for that. <laughs> uh, oh, so one of the things that she also mentions in this 
essay I thought was this really kind of interesting tension between like the artist and the critic Mm -hmm. of she mentions all these sort of like situations where you know I mean Michael Che being an asshole to like one of his critics um to Lizzo kind of like saying like oh fuck off critics I'm doing like my work and like you just you're just haters or whatever and you know her response is like sure but then like the res- the critical response to that is often to take this like oh well we have such a hard time and like y- the artists are the people with actual power and like you know poor us and like she kind of points out that like that's not quite the right I mean, my reading of what she's saying is like, that's not quite the right response. Like as a critic, you also do have power and like, sure, like critics have a hard time finding jobs right now. Like that is true. But like also that like just calling that out is a little bit like tone deaf to the actual, you know, sort of position that a critic can be in where like you are actually changing people's thought. And, you know, I feel like I've come across this too. one of the I really like watching like other people play video games. I've talked about this before. Like I enjoy watching Twitch or like YouTubers or like, you know, and one thing you kind of see a lot with these sorts of folks is this feeling of like, I'm not in charge of what my audience does, you know, like there's this critical response of almost like I'm not in charge of what my audience does. Like I, I just say stuff and like they, they take from that what they take. I know this is kind of two different ideas in one, but they feel kind of related to me of this, this kind of like way that critics can be like, Oh, woe is me. Like I don't actually have any power and I'm not responsible for like what people like think based on what I tell them to think or how I tell them to think. But artists actually do the same move when, Totally. If you think of the Twitch streamer as an artist instead of a critic, or they're both at the same time, both, or whatever. Right. But like that, you know, artists and critics in Speed either role art don't at me. can can do the move. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and the move and the move is well, yeah. So so there's a couple things there. Like you said, like one one of them is, you know, uh, what's the responsibility of the of the creator, be they critic or artist, um, right. vis-a-vis their audience, not just vis-a-vis the world. And the other maybe is, um, you know, the power relations, the power dynamics here and, and like the way that they get really complicated because like neither of these things is a monolith. Like there are yeah. a lot of different critics in the world. Some of them are weak. Some of them are powerful. You know, A.O. Scott is not the same. Soraya Roberts is not the same as like us, you know? Totally. Meanwhile, like when an artist is responding to critics like capital C or something or like haters, capital H, like, <laughs> you know, there's some people that are hating them, but there's probably other other people that are not hating them and there's probably other people that they think are hating them but actually aren't in their hearts or you know there's it's complicated obviously yep totally and how do you navigate that yeah so yeah and i don't have like a great answer to that so much as like i just like i enjoyed that she critically engaged with that question i think she did a good job of kind of like at least laying out the like discomfort there um yeah yeah that's that's something i like about this piece a lot is that it's not a comfortable take which i think is the right way to to go about Mm -hmm. this like if we're going to engage with this really difficult stuff that doesn't have like easy answers like we should not end the piece with like an easy sentence you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah for real 100 and she she does that well i think she navigates it right so one thing i kind of wanted to like end on 
Um, cause I also don't want this to like, I think we could go on forever, but I don't want to <laughs> go, go on too long with it. Um, cause I think people should also like read the piece and take from it what they will. But one thing I wanted to kind of like ask you and, and I might have some answers too, is like, who are some critics you actually really like, or like, what is some recent criticism that you've like really enjoyed? Um, just sort of as a positive, oh, like, I love you know, this what's stuff we like. I really love so this is kind of a strange answer, but it's it, it's it comes to me immediately, and so I should say it. Yeah, I great, love perfect. reading Andrew Batson. Um, Ooh, he's cool. one of my favorite people to read on the internet. He he doesn't. I mean, I think he tweets, but he mostly the way I read him is that he has a blog, old school, and mm-hmm. he writes about China in terms of its politics and society and economics, and he writes about um, music specifically a lot of like free jazz which he loves and uh different different kinds of um nice different kinds of jazz and then some other stuff but but mostly that and um he also sometimes does other topics too but like he's i love reading him uh and i love reading him because he does a really good job of doing like a couple of things that i think are my favorite things (laughs) number (laughs) one he highlights um he highlights other people's views that are less known Mm-hmm. who have like really, really good points. He spends a lot of his time doing that. Like he'll have many, many posts that are just like, I was reading this book. That's amazing. This is a thing that that book said that I loved. Like that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite types of of posts. It doesn't have to be a book, but like it's just the idea that, okay, he found this diamond in the rough and he's sharing it. Um, and uh, I also love that he has, the other thing is he has this very, um, non-judgmental way of approaching things that still has an, a, a view that still takes a position, you know? So he thinks that some things are right and some things are wrong, but like when he says that he thinks something is wrong, he's never even close to being an asshole about it. He's very mm-hmm. mature and very measured and specific, um, in a way that, that ends up being really like warm hearted and like, and like accommodating to people. Nice. So I love that. That's cool. That's what about, really cool. What about you? Yeah, I have I have sort of like two answers um, off the top of my head. Uh, one a specific work, and the other like a person whose work I like a lot. I'll start with um, uh, B, who is uh, I don't know. I've been reading their work on the internet since I was in college. Essentially, um, they write the uninterpretive blog, which uh, I've talked about a little bit on here before because they actually mentioned us in like their favorite podcast of last year, which was really like, this kind of like really nice thing because I've been reading their work for so long that it, it really, it's the um, dope noise. It's really cool. Um, they also started a Patreon recently, which is worth Ooh. subscribing to because they both do cooking videos, um, as well as like cultural criticism. Um, and they also run the play date, um, pop-up event, which is like, a big collection of various types of games that they do once a year um, with a bunch of other folks who also run it with them. And um, it's cool. Like it's a really neat event. They highlight really cool games, both video games and pen and paper games. And they really kind of focus on like, you know, what does story do within games? Um, yeah. So I, I've just, you know, I've been reading their work, like I said, since I, since I guess it was probably closer to like 2010 or 2011, something like that. It's a little bit after college, but still, um, really cool stuff and it's it's one of the things i love that they do is they engage with popular culture with the like exact same kind of like ferocity and like seriousness of ideas as they do with with you know whatever sort of like high ideas type stuff so 
you know, I reread their article about Michael Bay's pain and gain recently, which is just like, you know, not the kind of thing you would normally spend like a very long, thoughtful article involving Foucault on, but is like just as worthy of it as like, you know, Spring Breakers or whatever sort of like, you know, a 24 like indie movie. that you I love think of. I love that Spring Breakers is your is your is your like comp for that, which well, I not, that, not because... that was their comp for it. Oh, actually, that's awesome. and it's a really smart, interesting one. Yeah. yeah. So I um so I really just yeah i a big fan of their work always that's have so been fun. and that's they great. also do stuff like music compilations they do a lot of stuff that is like building stuff and putting it out in the world and so like mm. they're kind of an inspiration for me in the sense of like just start and do it and like you'll find the audience that like likes your work um like that's one of the beauties of the internet can i just say i love how both of our like recommendations so far are just kind of like so clearly like exactly tailored for us to like <laughs> yeah, or like I mean, our likes are tailored to like them or whatever you want to say <laughs> <Totally>. like totally <laughs> um and then the other um the other thing i just want to call it really quickly is uh there's this guy he goes by todd in the shadows he does like a podcast but also like mainly this like youtube thing where he uh, does like reviews of pop songs and they're really good reviews. And in particular, he had a review of Taylor Swift's most recent song that is specifically about haters and critics <laughs> and the role of like critics and pop culture and popular music in particular. Isn't that like that is 85% really, really of good. her oeuvre? <laughs> it is. And he talks a lot about that. And he talks about the way that she like, you know, tends to like co like, because you know, one of the things that she does in this song is like likens herself and like her haters to like, gay people and like actual marginalized cultures and it's really gross and you know he's like a straight white dude but he also does a really good job of talking about why that's gross nice um and yeah and i just you know and it's like he's of course not the only person to talk or write about it it's just like the one that i i have yeah, actually the one seen, you like but, or one that, right, that you like or the one that i i engaged with at all because i i kind of like watching his like a they're fun to put on in the background while I'm doing other work because you get to listen to good music and like hear someone talk about it. Uh, but yeah, but that, that I liked and I think it, I, I call it out cause I think it fits in the same vein as this article in some ways. Like it's a good nice. like companion piece. So I'll include a link to that. Nice man. I love it. Yeah. Cool. So any, any other final like Pat thoughts or are we going to end it uncomfortably? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. I could think of a lot of Pat thoughts. Uh, I'm gonna choose to make it uncomfortable though. Like, keep it weird. Great. Keep it. I love keep it. Keep it dark and weird and, and and shaky. I love it. Great. Well, you know, uh, again, if you you know listen to this whole thing, let us know about it. Because again, like like be our critic because we're trying to put something out into the world. We don't know how it's gonna be received, and you know we're famous we're last words. I, yeah, right for real. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do, I want to make this like a little bit more, whether it's kind of incorporated sometimes into the pre-reads or actually just like their own standalone bonus episodes. Like I really like talking about this kind of like critical stuff and engaging with both the critics as well as the art that we already do. So I'm, I'm really into it. Um, so, you know, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Spectology pod on Twitter, spectologypod at gmail.com. Um, Thank you to WJ for our music and Noah Bradley at noahbradley.com for our artwork. I think that's it for the outro. Quick outro. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back soon with more hashtag content. (laughs) Bye. That was great.